there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Happy New Year to you. I don't know how your new year went uh, for you, but let me tell you how things played out at my house. Uh, new Year's weekend, the fr- last Friday, uh, our internet went out about 12 o'clock. And uh, so we called the, the, the cable company and we said, hey, we don't have internet. Can we get someone out here? And they said, sure, uh, we can send someone out Sunday afternoon. All right, so this is Friday. And what I mean it went out, I mean it went out. Cable television, internet. Uh, and those of you who know me know I'm a pretty big sports fan. And New Year's Eve is the biggest college football day of the year. And so I'm sitting there stressing a little bit. I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't really want to go sit in a sports bar for seven hours to watch those games. Uh, I, I'm, this is bad. Like, I don't really normally care about the internet, but of all weekends for it to go out. <clears throat> and so through the ingenuity of uh, my mother-in-law and my wife, we were able to to put the game on our phone and then cast it to a TV. So uh, we, were, we were okay. I made it through the weekend unscathed. But my children, on the other hand, were absolutely miserable. We've never had an outage that lasted that long. So I want you to think about, we have five children, and think about the amount of phones and tablets and PlayStations and computers. All of them were just paperweights. They were rendered useless because there wasn't a proper connection. Connection is very, very important. Your heat, you won't be able to heat your home if it's not connected to power. Uh, If I went out and undid all of your batteries, uh, none of you would get home because you need a battery. You need that connection to get your car to run and to start. Your lights and anything that you run in your house would be utterly useless if they aren't connected. And so connection is very important. Well, we're beginning a new series today to kick off the year called Connection. Uh, and we want to start the year off by kind of recalibrating ourselves around our mission statement. Uh, and so let me read our mission statement to you. And, and let me tell you, we wordsmithed it a little bit. Um, we had some discussion and some dialogue about how it read, and we changed a word. We changed the word, uh, the word to to the word with, um, and, and, and here's our logic behind that. Uh, you connect to the internet, but you connect with a person. And so our, our mission statement reads as follows. We exist here at Elevate to connect people with God and each other. All right, and so what I want to do is I want to spend three weeks on talking about how do we connect people with God? And then I want to spend three weeks on talking about how do we connect with each other. Um, uh, Matt is not here today, I don't think. Matt's sick. He was supposed to go to TCTC. All of our teenagers, are, a lot of them are gone uh, with my wife this weekend. Uh, they'll be back, I'm counting the minutes, they'll be back at uh, about five or six tonight. 
But Matt did a great job about talking uh, to us about loving our neighbors, what that meant if you were here last week. And uh, listen, we can't love people if we don't connect with them. It just simply can't be done. So we're going to spend six weeks talking about connection. And we're going to start off the first three weeks, as I said, talking about connecting uh, to God. How do we get people to connect with God? Uh, let me let the cat out of the bag. I'll give you all three subjects. Uh, the first thing we have to do is we have to introduce them to God. If we don't introduce them to God, they can't connect with God. Now, as we introduce them, it's our hope uh, that they'll come to a saving relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. The second way we do it is through worship. Now, when I say that word worship, I think you automatically assume what just happened here on stage. Uh, and that's part of it. But we're talking about a lifestyle change, a lifestyle of worship. And then the third uh, way we feel like we want to connect people to God is through prayer. Now, before you say, well, prayer is part of worship, yes, but we feel so strongly about prayer here, we wanted it to stand on its own. You notice Will and I pray a lot during the service. We have prayer teams available after the service. Once a month, our leadership, our elders, uh, and, our, and myself and Will gather together and get all your prayer requests, and we pray for you by name, and we pray specifically uh, for you. So, so prayer is very important. So these are the things, these are the areas we want to connect people to, to God. So today we're going to talk about the mission of connecting people with God by introducing them to Jesus Christ. And I just want you to think about relationships in your life that you, that you have. You know, I, I would submit to you that many beautiful relationships happened by being introduced to someone. Right? Let me, let me give you an example. Like may, maybe you have a coworker that says, hey, you should meet my friend Jenny. My friend Jenny is awesome. I, I think the two of you would really hit it off. You seem to have a lot in common. I would love to introduce you uh, to, to my friend. And so you're introduced to Jenny, and, and that introduction leads to a connection, which eventually leads to a relationship, which leads to love, marriage, family, fulfillment, which leads to a total lifestyle change for you, and it all happened because of one simple introduction. Well, here at Elevate, we, we want to see people come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, since we don't have the ability to save them ourselves, we have to introduce them to Jesus and let him do the work, right? And so what we want to do is we want to begin to introduce people to the most dynamic personality in the world, which is Jesus. But before we get to Jesus, let me ask you a question. Who in your life has the most magnanimous personality that you know? And by that, I mean, what person in your life is a person that is very, has a very generous, a very forgiving, a very joyous spirit? It's just a very interesting person to be around. Uh, for you, maybe it's your spouse, and that's why you married him or her. Um, for, for some of you, it might be your best friend, and that's why, that, that's why he or she is your best friend, because you just love their personality. Uh, maybe it was a parent. Perhaps it's a coworker. For some of you, it may be someone you follow on Twitter. Uh, I, mean, I just love this person's uh, personality. Uh, for me, uh, it's no secret, it was my grandfather. Uh, he, he just radiated light, man. He, he was a joy to be around. 
Uh, he marched to the beat of his own drum. Uh, he has never met a person that he didn't like, hear me, or at least try to like, right? He was just that kind of person, just this dynamic, interesting, stubborn, lovable human being. Well, well in the Bible, I want to I direct your attention to a man who had a very interesting personality. And for whatever reason, he was a little weird even, people were absolutely drawn to him. He was different. He was certainly unique. He possessed what I believe we would refer to as an old soul. He dressed different. He talked different. He even had a different diet. Nonetheless, people were absolutely drawn to him. He had followers, which the Bible refers to as disciples. And I think when we think about this guy, we think maybe he had a handful of disciples. But I would submit to you, he had hundreds, if not thousands of them. His name was John. Now, we know him as John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had this huge voice. He had influence. He wasn't afraid to preach it heaven high, hell deep, worldwide, and shotgun barrel straight, man. He would speak the truth. John became so popular slash annoying uh, that he was finally arrested by a king, a king by the name of Herod Antipas. Now, Herod had some problems. Uh, John preached out against Herod because here's what Herod did. Herod divorced his wife and then he stole his brother's wife. You think your brother stabbed you in the back, right? Uh, so, and, and we look at that and we say, how in the world could you do that? And one thing, and I don't, I don't want to give him too much sympathy, is like in that culture, maybe he was in love with her, but you were kind of told by your parents who you were going to marry and, and, and they just couldn't contain it any longer. I don't know. But uh, he ended up stealing his brother's wife, whose name was Herodias. And Herodias was uh, like, she had the spirit of Jezebel. She was an absolute witch, all right? And so John began to preach and rebuked this king publicly. Now listen, he wasn't just some guy in his mom's basement spouting off on Twitter. He had this huge following, this huge influence. So it forced the hand of Herod. He arrested him and he put him in prison. But his wife, Herodias, hated John the Baptist. Uh, Herod was just going to let him kind of rot in the, in the jail cell, but she wanted him dead. He wouldn't put uh, John to death. Well, one evening they held a party in the palace and Herodias brought her daughter out, Salome. And the Bible tells us that she did this provocative dance in the banquet hall. Now, in the Greek, you don't get the full concept because the Greek's a lot about word picture. If you study that passage in its entirety, the essence is this. When she got done dancing, the palace was filled with lust. I mean, just everybody's sexuality was heightened. I don't go to strip clubs. I don't, you know, but I would imagine it's that same vibe in there, just lustful feeling. And so she did this dance and Herod in this drunken stupor, all right, uh, this is his niece, says, listen, I'll give you anything that you ask, anything up to half of my kingdom. 
And you know the story if you grew up in church. She went to her mom and said, well, what do I ask for? And her mom said, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so John the Baptist was beheaded and the head was brought in front of the king. This is how John the Baptist died. Now, while he was living, I believe that John the Baptist had this huge following, a huge influence, so much so that he garnered the attention of kings, so much so he had so much notoriety that other political leaders and religious leaders became concerned about him. And we'll read about them in just a second. John, had, John the Baptist had so much influence that in Acts chapter 19, Peter, who's preaching the gospel, comes across a group of followers that are still disciples of John the Baptist. Now, what makes that interesting is that's 20 years after John was put to death. All right, so he had, he had huge influence. John the Baptist, this magnanimous, polarizing, eccentric human being. But even with this big personality, with this following of people, with this influence, John's only desire, John's only mission in life was to introduce people to the most dynamic person in the world, Jesus Christ. He wanted to connect them with Jesus. Just a real quick example, case study. You don't have to, if you know your apostles, uh, Andrew and John, not John the Baptist. This is another John, John the Apostle. Uh, they were fishermen. And they more than likely came across John the Baptist because uh, they would travel from Bethsaida to Jerusalem to take their fish to market. And they would have to go right through the wilderness where John stood by the Jordan and preached. Well, they were so impressed with him that they ended up quitting fishing for a while and they became his disciples. And then they introduced Peter. And then what happened is those three men were transferred to Jesus. And this is the first apostles that were gathered. John directed, John the Baptist directed them towards Jesus. And so with that backstory, let's jump into the word of God today. We're going to be in John chapter one. And if you didn't grow up in the church, uh, just so you're not confused, the book of John is written by the apostle John, not John the Baptist. So we're going to be in John chapter 1, where the Apostle John is writing the narrative about John the Baptist. All right? Clear? A little muddy? Okay, here we go. John chapter 1. And this is the testimony of John. This is John the Baptist we're talking about. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Now, let's just push the pause button for a second. Uh, we, we'll just gloss over this, I think. But this shows right off the bat exactly how much influence John the Baptist had. You don't send priests and Levites to the middle of the wilderness unless you're concerned about what's going on out there. Unless you're keeping out like something's going on. This thing's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And this guy's weird. He dresses funny. He wears camel skins. He eats grasshoppers and he preaches repentance. We, we've got to figure something out. So they send these underlings to go investigate. And they ask him the question, uh, who are you? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Okay, so here's what he's saying. I'm not the one you're looking for. I'm not this Messiah that you've heard about. 
I'm not the chosen one. And they ask, what then? Are you Elijah? Now, if you know the story of Elijah, Elijah is one of two men that didn't die in the Bible. God just called him up in a whirlwind. And so the belief was, well, maybe one day God was going to send Elijah back to the earth. So they asked, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? They're asking him, are you Moses? He says, no, I'm not Moses. Verse 22, they ask him, well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. In other words, we've got to report to our bosses, and they want to know who you are. So give us something. What do you say about yourself? You're not the Messiah. You're not Elijah. You're not Moses. Who are you? The, the, really, the core of what they wanted to get to is, is, why are all these people listening to you? Why are all these people following you in the middle of, of nowhere? He said, and he's reading straight out of a, a prophecy from Isaiah, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now look at verse 24 again. Just shows you the magnitude of this. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. Now I think when we talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in, in the Bible, we just, we just think they're just a bunch of old angry men like curmudgeons, and they're just these legalistic leaders, right? Um, yes, they were, but they were also the, the, the highest-ranking political leaders in the Jewish system. Like, these were not just religious leaders. These were political leaders. So for, for the Pharisees to send people to inquire about John the Baptist would be like a U.S. senator or somebody from the House of Representatives sending somebody to, like, hey, what's this Kevin Barton preaching about? We need to, we need to figure this out, right? And so the, the only thing I can really closely uh, illustrate it with, and this is very clumsy, uh, is those of you are, who are old enough like me to remember Jim Jones. Remember the Jonestown cult and they moved to South America? Um, it's like almost a thousand people died because they drank purple Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. Well, Congressman Leo Ryan sent people down there and they told him, hey, this is weird. You need to get down here. And if you remember, Leo Ryan flew there and they ambushed him at the airport and they, and they murdered him. Uh, so, I mean, this is a big deal here. The Pharisees are concerned. What is going on? This guy's got a pretty big following. Verse 25, they ask him, why are you baptizing? If you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor Moses, like what, is, what gives you the right to baptize people? You're not a Pharisee. You're not a priest. You're not Christ. You're not Moses. You're not Elijah. And John answered, I baptize with water. But among you stands one who you do not, do not know. I believe Jesus was in the crowd somewhere at this moment, just kind of watching. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am, un, uh, I am not worthy to untie. Verse 28. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So the leaders... That's verse 28. We're going to go to verse 29, uh, but there's a day that transpires. There's a, it's, it's morning and night the next day. So at the end of verse 28, these leaders come. We got, we got to figure out who you are and why you're preaching this way and with these things that you're saying. They leave. 
All right, and I imagine everybody went back to their houses and said, man, the Pharisees sent these, like, these people out here and they're questioning John. And so I think the next day, you know, that happens, right? Even more people come just to kind of see the train wreck that's happening or whatever. And so I think there's this massive crowd and I just want to draw your attention to the very next verse. It's the next day. And I believe John is just up teaching and preaching and baptizing And then verse 29, this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I love that because John had all of these followers. They were there with him. And Jesus comes walking up. I used to read that and I used to think like there were two or three hippies, you know, in camel skins with John and they were just practicing baptizing each other and then Jesus comes. But no, I think there's this massive crowd of people and John, I think they're facing John and I think John's teaching and he sees Jesus walking and I think he just in 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 excitement just screams out and points, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And everybody's head went, right? And the focus was now on Jesus. You see, John, with that small statement, was introducing them to the most dynamic personality in the world, Jesus Christ. He, He was saying, this is the one, this is the Messiah, This is the Son of God. This is the Lamb of God. This is the one who can not only change your life, but he can save your soul. uh, To paraphrase, John's saying, listen, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Jesus. He's the the Lamb of God. And why do I want to introduce you to him? Because he can take away the sin of the world, including your sin. This should be our primary mission at this church. It's up to us to introduce people to Jesus. And here's the thing, man. You can introduce the people to Jesus that, I'll never, that I would never likewise meet, just like me. Because we all have our own circle and sphere of influence. But we, it's up to us to connect them with God. Um, there's a song by Ann Wilson. Uh, it's called My Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I absolutely love the course of that song because it's talking about introducing someone to Jesus. And I'm just going to read the course real, real quickly. And I'm not going to sing it because we're trying to grow the church, not right. <clears throat> he says, he makes a way where there ain't no way. Rise up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life. When we say it's our mission to introduce people to God, this is what we mean. Telling them that life doesn't have to be this way telling them that there is a lamb of God, there is a sacrifice on their behalf that takes away all of their sins and their doubts and their insecurities, proclaiming they are freed from the imprisonment of the flesh, from the carnage of the world, and from the death brought on by sin. So real quick, let's get to the practicality of this. 
uh, because I'm going to challenge you this, this week to make this a year where you start uh, introducing people to Jesus, right? Like not just sitting in church and going, mm-hmm, yeah, but like actually introducing yourself or, or introducing Jesus to people. But I think there are four things to remember if you're trying to introduce people to Jesus, all right? Here's the first one. Number one is this. When you're trying to introduce people to Jesus, don't let your personality get in the way. Now, I know you've got a great personality. <laughs> don't let your personality get in the way. John the Baptist had a very strong personality, man, but it didn't get in the way. He made everything about Jesus. Remember what he said? There's one coming greater than me. And I don't know if he knew it would be tomorrow, but he's, he's going to be here. And I can't, I'm not even fit to, to bend down and untie his shoes. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I think far too often when we talk about the word, it's a Christianese word, evangelism or winning souls, uh, I, we, we take on the mantra, well, if I'm just nice enough for a long enough period or, or if, if I just have enough energy and I can draw them to me, and then if I draw them to me, maybe they'll come to church and, and maybe they'll eventually be introduced to Jesus. There, there are a lot of people in this world, I dare, I dare say in this room, and watching from home that have this problem. You have what I call the mini Messiah complex. Mm -hmm. You think you can change people. <laughs> you think you can fix people. You think you can save people from themselves. And it cannot be done. The weight is absolutely unbearable. If you were to walk through this door right here to go behind stage and, and hang a, a sharp left, uh, you'll see on the wall uh, written there, it's in big letters, and it just says, make it about Jesus. Now, I don't know what our worship team uh, thinks of that. I, I, I didn't really put it there, have it put there for them. I, I, put, I had it put there uh, for me. And it's the last thing I see when I come out on this stage. And here's why. I have a strong personality. Now, I'm, I'm a somewhat introverted, and sometimes you think if a person's introverted, they don't have a strong, uh, trust me, I got a strong personality. And I never want to walk out on this stage and attract people to elevate Christian church because they like me. It's got to be about Jesus. I have had people say to me in the past, as every preacher has, these words, Kevin, the only reason I come to church here is because of you. And I shudder. I mean, I appreciate your confidence in me, and I appreciate that I'm flattered. But listen, if you're coming to this church because of me, it's time to find another church where you can be intimate with your Savior, Jesus Christ. We always make it about Jesus because if you come to church here because of me, here's what I'm going to promise you. I'm going to let you down. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It'll certainly be by the end of the year. I'm going to say something or do something stupid, and I'm going to let you down. But Jesus Christ will never let you down. So we don't let our personalities get in the way when we're trying to introduce people to Jesus Christ. 
We don't, the gospel is the good news. We don't have to change it or, or dress it up or, or make it more convenient. Uh, I'm going to go on a tirade here. That makes me so upset when people sit around and say, we just need to make the gospel more convenient. And I just want to say, have you read the Bible? The gospel's not convenient at all. It was so inconvenient that Jesus died on a cross. 11 of the 12 disciples were murdered. John got off easy. He just got boiled alive. And then when he didn't die, they were afraid. So they sent him to prison on an island, but it's never convenient. Sorry. I don't even know where I was going with that. I was like getting a little Southern Baptist on you there for a minute. Just saying. The gospel's not meant to be convenient. It's meant to save our souls. And our souls can't be saved if we let our personality get in the way. And, and if we don't make Jesus at the forefront of everything we do. Not just at church, right, but in our lives. All right, I got to go on. I'm going to be here all day. Number two. So number one, don't let your personality get in the way. Number two, hear me. Don't let your problems get in the way. Because mm. here's what we often feel like. Well, who am I to introduce someone to Jesus Christ? I am, my life is so jacked up. Like, I, there's no way. And I think we think that before we could be good little missionaries or, or good little evangelists, we've got to get every part of our house in order. We have to give every issue in our life resolved, and then we'll be able to invite them to Jesus. You know when that's going to happen? When you die, and then you'll be made perfect. I, I think we think, well, who's going to listen to me about Jesus? I'm in debt, or I'm depressed, or I'm insecure, or I struggle with addiction. And until all of that is resolved, I'm no use to God's kingdom. Listen, friend, you may have 99 problems, but Jesus ain't one of them. He is not one of them. The Bible is full of problematic people who turned the world upside down because they simply got out of Jesus' way and invited people to Jesus in spite of their problems. So we don't let our personality get in the way. We don't let our problems get in the way. <laughs> Number three, we don't let people get in the way. I don't know if you know this or not. It, people can be difficult, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about John. The day before Jesus arrives on the scene, John's, you know, before he makes his proclamation, behold the Lamb of God. The day before that, John has the priests and the Levites under the authority of the Pharisees questioning him, interrogating him, doubting him, no doubt mocking him, and tattletailing on him, reporting him back to the temple. But that, John didn't pack it up, right? The next day came and he was out there preaching again. See, when you start trying to connect people with God, people are going to mock you a little bit, might scoff at you, might call you crazy, might call you a freak. I remember, I remember years ago, it was about 10 years ago, uh, I, my wife and I were going to do this thing called the Daniel Fast. And, and many of you, we just invited you to do it with us. It was three weeks. And I got reports like some of you were telling me, well, my family thinks we're in a cult now because we can't eat this. And right, right, right. That's going to that's gonna happen. That's going to happen, right? Or the people you love and invest on and you're trying to introduce to Jesus will hurt you. They'll disappoint you. 
They might even betray you. It's messy. But it still has to be done. So we don't let that stop us from the mission. Don't let your personality get in the way. Don't let your problems get in the way. Don't let people get in your way. And then finally, number four, and I think this is the toughest one to deal with sometimes, is this. Don't let your past get in the way of introducing people to Jesus. I think this is the biggest obstacle for many people. They have a very checkered past. They have a lot of mistakes. They have lots of sin. They've made lots of bad choices. And if that's you, all I can say is this, man, welcome to the club. Because we all have checkered pasts. We all have sin struggles. We all have doubts. And we all have frustrations. We've all made a mess of our lives, right? That's the point of Jesus. There's an old proverb. This is not a biblical proverb, but the proverb says this. I love this. It says, write bad things that are done to you in the sand, but write good things that happen to you on a piece of marble. But most of us do the opposite, right? We engrave the bad things that happen to us in marble, and these painful memories just begin to perpetuate all through our lives. You cannot let your past define you and you cannot let your past imprison you. Most people don't share Christ because of their past mistakes. And by past mistakes, I don't just mean 20 years ago, I mean last night, right? Because we all have ongoing sin struggles. We all fall and have to get back up. We fail miserably all the time. It makes us feel unworthy. It makes us feel ashamed. But you, you've, you just got to realize, Jesus came to forgive us for that. We all have this past. You know, other than Jesus, there are, I think the two most well-known people in the Bible, other than Jesus, are in the Old Testament, probably Moses, and in the New Testament, the super apostle Paul, right? So think about Moses and Paul. I just want to tell you, both men murdered somebody, right, in their past. You want to talk about a past. I know you've done some bad things, but have you strangled the life out of somebody? Have you beaten somebody over the head with a club until they didn't breathe anymore? We all have a past. I, I want to introduce you uh, to somebody. It's, uh, her name is... Annie uh, Lobert. She actually goes by Anne. Uh, Anne is a former uh, sex industry worker. Uh, she worked as a prostitute in Las Vegas, Minneapolis, and Hawaii for 16 years straight. 16 years. Crazy, craziest thing happened to her, man. This guy that was one of her regular customers fell in love with her and like rescued her from the sex traffic or from the uh, sex industry, uh, not through him, but through a friend. She found Jesus Christ and it radically changed her life. She's no longer in the sex industry. She's on the front lines with God and founded the international Christian ministry called Hookers for Jesus. Thousands of women have been introduced to Jesus because of her. You think you have a past? I bet hers is more checkered than most of ours in here. 
We don't let our past get in the way of introducing people to Jesus. I think it's important for all of us to remember this. Your past is not God's future for you. Let me say that again, because I think many people try to live in the past. They just, they kind of drag it along with them. Your past is not God's future for you. Don't buy into the lie by the devil that you're doomed to repeat it over and over and over again. He has made you a new creation with a new heart, a clean slate of forgiveness purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in return, Jesus simply asks us this. Hey, I want you to introduce me to people in your circle. And so I have a challenge for you, and it's not just a challenge for this week. It's going to be kind of a year-long challenge. We'll kind of keep coming back to it. Uh, I want to challenge you to introduce somebody to Jesus by your words, by your actions, by your reactions, by how you structure your prayer life. Make it your goal to connect a person to Jesus Christ. Now, what does that look like here at Elevate? If it looked like I want it to look like, we would double in size, right? And so we would have to go back to two services and they'd be jammed full and we'd be like, all right, well, we're gonna, how are we going to do a third service, right? And it's not about growing the church so Kevin can look good or the elders can look good. It's about growing the kingdom of God so Jesus' name is praised. And also, let me just, this is just for free here. I'll throw this in here. Also, don't forget about what we would call the de-churched. There are, so, there are millions of people who may have grown up in the church. Somebody did something stupid at church, right? Because church is full of sinful people that do stupid things, and they've gotten mad, and they've left the church, and they've kind of uh, abandoned their faith, and they know all the fundamentals, but they're just like, I ain't going back. Like, unchurched, de-churched, let's make it our mission to introduce people to Jesus Christ, to connect or to reconnect people with God. Now we can't connect with we can't connect them with God unless we introduce them to the Savior. So this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'm going to pray. Well, almost the last thing. You hear me say this sometimes around here, and I just I, I want to say it, not like when I'm just trying to hurry up before the song is over. I cannot save you. I can't but I can introduce you to the man who can. You can't save anybody, but you can introduce them to the man who can. Let's make it our mission to connect people with God. The first way we do that is we've got to go out and we've got to introduce them. Hey, do you know about my friend Jesus? Amen? I don't usually fish for amens, but amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.